0: Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is, in my opinion, easily one of the best artists, not only in the country, but in the world. He has such a unique style that whenever whenever I see his work, I instantly recognise it's one of Dan's. I am joined today by the absolutely awesome Dan Mumford. This is someone I've wanted to get on the podcast the moment I decided to go down the route of doing some artist specials, the voice behind the artist. And if you tuned in a couple of episodes ago, you'd have heard me launch this whole new section with the amazing Matt Ferguson. And now it's Dan's turn, and I can't wait to share this interview with you. From the moment we start talking, we hit it off, and he's absolutely awesome. One of my favourite interviews I've done on Mark and Me, and it'll be coming up very, very soon. But you know the score by now. I like to touch base and talk about the last episode. It was an incredible artist, an incredible producer, Cold Heart. The response was fantastic and thanks to everyone that tuned in. I've seen some new followers come from it and a whole new audience. So thank you so much for Coldies for coming on the podcast and thanks for you guys checking it out. But back to today. It's the whole voice behind the artist special. This is the second in a series of five. And I'm thrilled that it's Dan's time. I first remember seeing Dan's work when I went to an Eddie Vedder concert in London about four or five years ago. His artwork stood out and it was one of those ones that as soon as I knew who it was I explored on Instagram and all the usual ways of finding out an artist and discovering then some of my favourite pieces of art. He's done stuff for Ghostbusters, The Descent which is easily one of my favourite horrors I've ever seen, But like I've said he has this style as soon as I see it I know it's his. He's an incredible guy and I think the best thing to do now is get to the interview. So here's me and Dan Mumford talking all things art. Dan thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast.
1: No problem at all good to be here.
0: What I wanted to do Dan is for those people that are listening that may have not discovered your work yet is give them an idea about the person that you are. So what taking it right back to when you were at school, were you someone that knew you wanted to be an artist at such a young age, or was it later on in life that you found that kind of love and passion?
1: Um, I definitely always enjoyed artwork in most capacities at school. Um, I, you know, I didn't really have much interest in any of the sciences and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I played music, I created artwork. I quite enjoyed, like, English literature, so, like, writing stories and making up worlds and stuff. Um, So I always knew it was going to be something creative that I ended up doing. Um, The path of art wasn't necessarily chosen until, it was kind of a flip of a coin actually, like as I was deciding, as I was sort of graduating from secondary school to university, it could have gone into uh, like literature, writing stories and stuff or artwork. And I think in the end, I was just like, I'm probably a better artist to an extent, you know, yeah. And that was it. And I just sort of went from there, really. Yeah.
0: And was it at that point that you believed in yourself enough to know that you could hopefully make a career out of it? Or were you, were you doing kind <laughs> of jobs? Or how did, how did it work out that you got that balance? Because every artist I've spoke to recently have always had to work in a record shop or selling yeah. stuff. And it's, it's really been hard to juggle it so it could then become just the
2: sole focus.
1: Oh, no. I mean, I think from 18 is when I went to art school university yeah Uh, and from 18 until 23 i wasn't making any money (laughs) at all like i think i got my first proper job as an artist as i was graduating from university and that was around that was around 2007 2006 so like i i actually had a sort of slightly strange journey through university i did a i did a foundation year which is where you just sort of explore lots of different things. And then I did a university degree, but I actually sort of had a false start and only did half of one year because the course was awful. Okay. <laughs> so then I, so I left the course and then started another course. So like, basically I spent about five years at university s- sort of, um, yeah. and yeah, I wasn't, I think I, I worked like a few odd jobs throughout that time. I was working at a pharmacy for a while. Yeah. Um, but no, I wasn't really making any money until until I was pretty much graduating and then luckily it kept going I, I have not had to stop since I graduated so that's really good
0: so when you graduated and you're doing these pieces of work and finally getting some money for the uh, the time and effort that you've been putting in what were these oh. sort of projects you were getting to work on can you remember the early ones where you were actually receiving checks mm-hmm. and thinking wow this is awesome
1: oh yeah it was um it was basically all music based stuff so yeah. When I was younger, I played in a lot of bands and um, so I was part of quite an active music community. And that meant that I had a lot of friends that were still part of the music community and they had gone on to have careers. So while I was at university, they were sort of forging their paths and either working in uh, like labels and stuff or putting on shows or in active bands that were now signed and touring. So I ended up working with them a lot of the time, like doing gig posters and T-shirt designs and CD covers. And that slowly sort of turned into a sort of full on career path where I was essentially designing and creating artwork for lots of alternative music bands. And that, that was that was like the start for the first few years.
0: And can you remember the first time you maybe got like an album cover that you thought was quite an established band or something that you were like, wow, I'm so proud. I can actually see it. This is
1: me. I trying to think what the very first one was. So the, the one that most people know me for doing was I worked with the band Gallows. Yeah, And that was, that was the first one where it was properly fully all over the place. And in, in you know, you could go into, uh, Virgin, Virgin <laughs> record stores, you could go in there and it would be there. And I was like, wow that's amazing but the very first one i think it was this band this band could like break the sky i think and it was the artwork doesn't look anything like my artwork but that i think that was the very first one where i actually had a physical thing in my hands and i was like okay i like i'm into that like that feels really good you know um and that and as well as like a couple of t-shirts that were you know again they're very crude in comparison to what i do now but it was, that, it was that light bulb moment, you know, where you sort of go, okay, this, this is viable, if you will. You know, I can, I can do this and people seem to want me to do it. So that was really good. And you're saying
0: now, obviously after uni, you're doing quite a lot of band work and stuff in the music mm-hmm. scene. When was it you kind of broke out of that and then started doing stuff to do with films and obviously um, lots of movies and posters and theme posters for certain releases?
1: Um, I think around 2014... So it was a good five, six years where it was mainly music stuff. Um, and then it wasn't like an instant transition or anything. It was quite a slow process, just sort of working with a few, uh, few different sort of clients and brands. Uh, there's a gallery called Dark City Gallery based in the UK. Yeah, um, so It's an online thing, but they, um, you know, they, they were probably the first, People to reach out to me and say, Have you ever thought about doing, you know, an alternative movie poster? And I think the very first one we did was for the Wicker Man. Lovely. And that was amazing because, like, it ended up being actually used by Studio Canal for the re release of the film in the cinemas. So the actual giant, you know, posters you'd see down on the tube when you're getting the train or something, like, they had my artwork in it. That was pretty cool. And again, that was probably a moment where I went, okay, so this is also a viable option for my artwork. Because you you need those moments where you see your artwork put into a different medium to go, all right, so people people like this, you know? Yeah. Um, And from there, I I did a few with them. And then I started working with a few uh, galleries in America, uh, Gallery 1988 and Hero Complex Gallery. And... You know, I've had really good relationships with them over the past few years where, um, you know, we just do quite a lot of work together. Um, and then, yeah, and then from there, it just sort of all sort of bloomed outwards, you know. Quite a, quite a bit of stuff came from that.
0: And when you've then venturing out into music and you've done movie posters now as well, was there anyone that you were looking at as an influence? Were you kind of taking um, any inspiration from certain artists because i don't think your art really looks like anyone else so when you can see some artists that you think oh they've been inspired yeah. by drew who everyone always mentions and then we get this and we get that but i don't see that you're i don't know maybe i'm wrong but when i look at your poster i know it's you and i don't see that it's looking mm. like oh that looks a bit like the back to the future poster or that looks like
1: star wars you've got your own sure. style well do you, do you know what it's quite an interesting one so i think my my style is very much me i think yeah people can quite easily look at a piece of work and know i've done it which is a which is a good thing that it's good to have your own stamp on stuff yeah um and about five years ago there was this moment where i was i was with um it was the owner of hero complex gallery i I'd, i'd gone over to la and i was just sort of hanging out at the gallery and you know we were just talking about work and sort of people's style and stuff and i was looking at someone's artwork that they had i was like wow this is this is beautiful like it's really you know the way they're doing it the style the sort of the shading it was sort of really um quite just elegant you know like yeah. um like my work is very much hard lines okay so like you know people joke about it there's just lots of line work, lo- lots of lines in my artwork that's kind of how you know it's me or whatever but what i realized in that point because I was looking at this artwork going oh maybe I should try and do stuff more like this you know sort of like more smooth slightly not airbrushed but you know a bit more elegant if you will yeah and and I was talking to Adam the owner of the gallery and he went why 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 would you do that like what you do is what you do and that's your style and I sort of went oh you got a point like (laughs) yeah I'm kind I'm I'm kind of known for doing stuff like I do it now and If I do stuff that's more like that, then I'll just sort of get lost in the, you know, in however many artists are doing stuff like that. So it was at that point that I kind of decided, actually, maybe I'll lean harder into the way I work. Refine it in my own way. Like, you know, every year I find new tips and tricks and little things that make my work better. And I do try new things, like you have to, you can't just keep recreating the same old thing again and again. But that moment was really important to me because I went, all right, I'm not going to try and be like anyone. I'm yeah. not, not going to look at someone's artwork and go, ah, oh, I should try and do that. Um, and it was just a real, it was a really big moment for me. And I'm really glad I had that conversation because I think it actually steered me away from certain things. And there's a few pieces that I did, maybe about five years ago, actually, where I was experimenting with little different things and I was sort of trying to do, like stippling shading and stuff like that and i did that for a few pieces and it was it just wasn't me you know um so yeah but i i don't take influence from much really <laughs> other movies i i enjoy yeah. movies that's where i get a lot of influence
0: and in your kind of way of doing so i'm trying to look at the process in which you work and say one of my favourite pieces you did was for Neil Marshall's The Descent, which I think is one of the best horror's oh, yeah. out there. I just think it's an absolute masterpiece. Mm. Um, tell me how it goes. So say you're asked to work on The Descent or you choose to want to do a design for The Descent. Now, the classic mm. poster we've <laughs> all seen with the like the skull being made up of the girls kind of kneeling down mm. is very mm. different to yours of the girls entering the cave. You know, it's it's mm. very, very... Uh, your your poster's very much played on the the light element of the the mm-hmm. flame and stuff. In your head, how do you do? You look at the original poster, or does that then put you off because you want to be completely different, or do you just go in with this mm-hmm. mind of watching the film and then kind of brainstorming ideas on how it? How does it actually work?
1: Um, well, firstly, if it's a film I haven't seen, I will always watch the film. Yeah, uh, that's quite that's quite important to me to at least have a thorough. Fundamental understanding of what the film is about, what's yeah. important about it, who's important in it, um, and you know what can I pull from that movie that speaks to you on the poster? You know, um, the Descent. Luckily, I had already seen it quite a few times. I think it's a great film as well. Um, and with that poster, so I worked with that with Dark City Gallery. Actually, that was one of my f- earlier movie posters, and. Uh, me and Ross, the owner, he he had the license to do this poster, and he was like, "Let's just try and do, you know." Well, firstly, we just threw a few ideas around, but it was like, "Let's let's do something that's different." Um, and always, I think that's quite important: is to put something, put your own spin on something. So, I will look at what's out there for a film already, yeah, because you don't want to recreate it at all. You don't want no. to just be like oh, you've you've used the same classic pose of this character or, yeah. you know, the colour scheme's the same or something. And obviously sometimes the colours within a film can be very important and you do want to get that across in a poster. But I also try and do some... I also try and make it a bit different. I don't want to just rely on what people already associate with that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like there's a the the film uh drive the ryan gosling film yeah Uh, like every single poster for that is pretty much pink themed okay pink is throughout that film for some reason in all the posters so if someone makes a new poster for drive now and it has a bit of pink in it pinky purple and it's just like well it's just lost amongst all the other drive posters yeah so you know give me a poster for drive that has i don't know blues in it yeah yeah Greens. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess the point is people don't associate the film with those colours, so they're not gonna want to buy it. Maybe. So. I understand. Yeah, sorry. Saying,
0: like even the vinyl, everything for that, everything's pink. So I've got the sound yeah. pockets pink. Um, the, the logo is always pink. Everything seems to be just pink. But I'd yeah. like someone to be a bit braver and just go with the yellow exactly. pink scorpion or like the elevator scene or something like that. Just try and make it different instead of just yeah, you know that like. It looks like a sign, doesn't it? On like a sort of um, roadside restaurant, that kind of sign, yeah. and it's just always very samey.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck in that trap when they're trying to come up with something new of just relying on the sort of generic tropes that are associated with that film. Um, so with The Descent, like, we were just like, well, let's just do something that's kind of its own thing. And it's, it's quite an odd composition, actually. Like it's, it's not the sort of thing I'd probably do now, but I think at that time I was quite not, not uh, brave. not the word, but I was quite happy to, uh, yeah, I was quite happy to explore different compositions and try different things. And, um, and it's, yeah, you know, it's just little silhouettes of people exploring a cave, but the, if you actually look at the poster closely, you've got the monsters sort of just dotted around the sides, very, yeah very dark you can't really see them and i think that's that's the important thing about the descent is what you can't see in the film because the the monsters are basically hidden for the whole film yeah and those are the i've seen quite a few posters that use that effectively um and uh and just do different sort of compositions with that in mind um so you know that's i guess that's something that we did that is in other posters but then the composition itself and what's happening in it is, you know, a little bit different. And the colour as well, it's sort of greeny purples and stuff. So, yeah. It was, a, it was a fun one to work on, though. Yeah.
0: I remember um, it was actually only just... I think it was just over 12 months ago, um, I went to Wembley Stadium to see The Who. You know, I didn't buy a hmm. ticket to see The Who. I went to buy a ticket to see Eddie Vedder because Pill is yeah. one of my favourite bands. And just before the... Um, day i think it might have been the day before they announced the merchandise range and you know your pin mm-hmm. bags and your t-shirts and suddenly i saw a poster of eddie walking with his guitar towards wembley and there's the who logo instantly i was like fucking hell that's dan like that's dan yeah. look at it <laughs> i was like i need that so me and my best friend Dan, we went down to wembley got there really early we had to watch the kaiser chiefs it was that early <laughs> uh we got there but
2: watch the, kaiser
0: the good news was we managed to get a poster each and they sold out really quick. But yeah. how did it come about that you got to do that and work with fucking Pearl Jam, man?
1: Well, that's, do you know what? That's been a real fun journey, actually. It's been about, I think that's been about four or five years now. Yeah. And there's, there's been maybe a poster or two each year. Um, and I've the first one I did was for, it was, the first one was for Eddie Vedder. And it was a London show, but it wasn't that one. It was uh, I can't remember where it was. I think it was Hammersmith, maybe. Um, and that was just that was him. The poster was him walking across the bridge uh, towards the venue. And I didn't really realise at the time how big that, how how crazy the fans would be for that poster, right? Yeah. So. I think, you know, obviously I know Pearl Jam's a huge band, I know that, but you know, the poster went within seconds at the show. And when I put it on sale on my site, again, within like 30 seconds, I'd never experienced anything like that before. No. Um, and you know, I got lots of emails afterwards like, what the hell man, I couldn't get a poster, it was gone before I'd even like seen it. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, wow, these, you know, this is a, this is a big deal. Right? Yeah, massive. Um, and then i ended up doing two more eddie Vedder posters and we sort of continued the journey um and it was him walking across a bridge every time yeah uh so there's like a cool trilogy of posters of him doing that and then i did one for pearl jam which was like you know it's like oh we've upgraded to the full the full band, the full
2: now. band now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um Uh, weirdly I think people maybe go a bit more uh, crazy for the Eddie Vedder solo posters. I'm not sure. Uh, But then we finally did one more for Eddie and uh, that was the Wembley one. And it was funny because Chris Sigling, who I, who's kind of like the art director of these posters, I guess he, um, he arranges everything. And he said, we don't want him going over another bridge. We've done enough bridges. So there's like this trilogy of him walking across a bridge. It was like, let's do something different. But I still wanted to do it with like Eddie walking to the show, of course, um, because I kind of like I I like that. It's like he's forever touring, you know. Yeah. Um, not now, unfortunately, but you know, um, yeah. So that was just a it was just a really fun one. It was kind of like we'd done all these posters before, and at this point, like I knew how important it is to get a poster like this right, you know. Yeah. Because there's a lot of eyes on it. Um, it's going to mean a lot to so many people. And whenever I do anything for Pearl Jam or Eddie, I, I put my all into it, you know, yeah. like that. Those those are posters where I really, it's important to get it right. The details are all there. Um, and, you know, just like that poster, things like getting uh, Wembley Stadium correct, if you will, you know, yeah. like I spent spend a lot of time trying to draw that in the right way, looking at different angles and different photos. It's a real pain to draw. Um, but it, it was, that was a really fun one to do. And it was good that we also got to put the, essentially we got to put the Who logo in there. I don't think we could put the the actual words, the Who no. in it, but you know, but we, we got, that. we, we got the little Spitfire symbol. So that was, yeah. that was good to have that in there.
0: Isn't it crazy with their fans as well, that the fact that as we sit here now, I think it was less than 24 hours ago, you put on sale the Pearl Jam poster for a gig mm. that never happened. and. I've seen already yes. on Twitter. Fucking hell, I got it in my basket and couldn't even get to checkout before it sold out. Yeah. Like, these fans just are insane. They're buying posters for gigs that never happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was a real shame. So I think Pearl Jam had a full run of shows lined up for the release of their new album. And pretty much, I think my show was the 23rd, 25th of March, and that's basically when everything just locks yeah. down, you know. Um, and I, it's funny because I think at the time I had I had the posters; they were all printed. I think every all of the artists had their posters, and you know we're all just sort of waiting for the for the release for the show to happen. And I hadn't even thought about it, but then like you know I got this email and I was like, "Yeah, of course that show's not going to happen. There's going to be thousands of people there. Like that that can't happen, can it?" Um, but yeah, like five months later, I think it was sort of decided that you know those shows are postponed, and I think when they do happen, it will make sense to do something new, I guess, yeah. new artwork. Um, and it was just yeah, it's a it's a weird one, but I think Pearl Jam's such a huge band for the fans and the sort of collectors of the you know things that are associated with them that having a poster for a show that never even happened like that must be a bit of a holy grail you know like okay, that's
0: the golden like look what i've got
1: yeah like that must be really special i i think in a few years time that's going to be a real weird one to own um and i don't know i don't know of any other bands that really did that actually no. recently um i i actually have a few posters for shows that never happened because yeah. that, that's it's happened a couple of times with me where a show's had to be rescheduled or, or it's cancelled for whatever reason. And I've already got the posters. So, But we've not done anything with them. So I just sort of, I, I've kept a few aside. So I've got these like really weird special one-offs that no one else has. It's pretty amazing.
2: That,
0: that could be retirement fund.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I think like when I'm, when I'm 60, I'll, I'll like unearth these posters, like for the shows that never happened. That'd be pretty good actually
0: when i was because um, obviously i'm doing a special at the moment on a few different artists and it's a, a world that i'm delving into Where normally i've been talking to producers and actors and directors and bands and stuff and it's it's fascinating but when i was kind of prepping my questions and sort of um, doing some research my girlfriend was saying to me i wonder if these artists ever now get to draw for pleasure and actually just get to relax and draw and one thing i've found mm. by talking to a number of artists is they just don't have the time. It's work, 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 work now. And I was wondering yourself, if you ever can just sit over a cup of tea on a Sunday or in the week and just draw for fun and remember the days where you could just sketch things that you want to sketch instead of it being a, can you do this for us? Or can you do this project? Or can you draw this person or this film?
1: Yeah, um, no, basically. Um, I, I think this, what happens, or what probably tends to happen for a lot of artists in the same sort of line of work as me is you're sort of building up to a point where you're in demand to an extent. So people want to work with you, um, which is a great thing. And you're basically sort of working away on stuff. And then before you know it, the year's over and every year for the last few years, I've sort of gone, all right, time to take a bit of time for myself this year. Um, Let's just take a month off and do some personal projects. And it just doesn't happen because if a good job comes along, it's really hard to say no. Yeah. And I'm very lucky in that, you know, every month or two, a really good job will come along where I'm like, okay, I need to do that now. Like, (laughs) I have to do that. Yeah. Um, And it it does turn work into... Well, it turns it into work. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, It turns... So, so when I've got free time at the weekend, i I don't work at the weekends really. I, t- I try and take them off all the time. Um, I, I you know, I sort of do a Monday to Friday yeah. nine to six schedule, which I think is pretty important. Um, so when I've got time free, I don't want to draw. Um, and the other thing is, I think the older you get so I mean, I'm not that old, i'm thirty six, but as you get older, responsibilities build up you know um i've i've recently got a mortgage now so i have to pay that yeah. um you know bills living just just stuff like that yeah, being an and adult being an adult yeah so it's really hard <laughs> to say it's really hard to say i want to put this week aside for me when actually that week could be i don't know something that pays a couple of grand or something yeah. you know? and you so sort of go well i'm definitely going to do that instead but the, the problem is, realistically, for someone like myself, if I want to, I don't know, take my career to the next level, then I probably need to spend a bit of time on like some personal development with my work and stuff and work out what that next stage is. And the only way to do that is by taking time off yeah. and sort of calming down a bit. So I, I probably need to like just stop for a bit and then who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's a tough question that I posed myself for the last few years um, and actually this year was meant to be a bit of a chill out year but then coronavirus really hit and like most people instant panic you know yeah. so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn down that job I'm gonna I'm yeah I'm gonna work and try and squirrel away as much money as I can in case things go completely wrong you know so
0: and looking back at, obviously, most of the designs you've done so far, uh, what's been your kind of personal favourites? I know it must be quite hard to take a single piece or one design, but has there been one that you would frame and have in your lounge or, you know, your main, <laughs> look at this, this is my favourite piece or the one you've enjoyed the most?
1: Yeah, it's really hard. I... <sighs> what's my favourite? I don't know that I have a favorite, really. I think the thing I'm most proud of is the 12 posters I did for the Star Wars, the the newer Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. So I did four for each of those films and they make up a giant set of 12, essentially. And, you know, I'm, I'm extremely proud of that. Um, I'm extremely gracious that Lucas and Disney allowed me to do that in such a huge official capacity um that's probably the biggest project i've worked on it's probably the project where it's reached the most people yeah um, you know there's hundreds of thousands of copies of each of those prints out there you know i think every in in the uk it was like uh, most i think it was a cine world maybe view i think most of those cinemas had the posters like you would just get one when you went to see the film yeah you know it's so so many copies. So that's the one where I know it really got my artwork out to the world and that's you know yeah I'm I'm proud of that yeah um, there's things I change in them as there is with all, all artwork there's definitely stuff in there where I'm sort of like yeah I wish I'd done that better but you know that's hindsight and sometimes you just got to get stuff done <laughs> I,
0: I wonder with that as well I mean I'm I, I'm not an artist I, I am terrible at drawing but um I wonder when you know it's time that you can say it's finished. Because with editing of a podcast, I'm always sitting there and polishing bits. I'm taking bits out and then thinking, and I need to, I need to give myself like a deadline. Like, look, this mm. needs to be done by tomorrow. If I don't, it's delayed. So I'll set myself up to fail. I'll like put a tweet out there and brand new episode out in the morning. So I'm like, look, there's your deadline now. With yourself, you've released pictures for Star Wars. You know, one of the, mm. the biggest franchises ever. And you're still saying right now you wish you'd change this or this isn't quite. Yeah. How do you kind of get to the point where you can be that kind of strongly disciplined to say that'll do now? I need to go to bed. And that'll, <laughs> that'll be it.
1: Well, do you know what with stuff stuff like that? It's generally because there's a deadline. Yeah. And it, it it will be the sort of thing where. So those those posters specifically the Star Wars ones they were nearly always created between let's say, September and late November, when the film was probably coming out in December. So, you know, they were, they were a few months out from the release of the films. And the deadline essentially was, you know, they've got to be done at least a month before the film's coming out, which is A, annoying, because I haven't been able to see the film. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sort of, I'm working, with, with all of those, I was working off trailers and notes, from uh higher ups and stuff yeah um and so there's elements where you're like i think this is probably correct but maybe it's not someone's gonna have to tell me if it's not correct you know um but it's it's very much like you know i've got to get this done this week so i can get on to the next one and then the week after the next one um and then amongst that i'm doing other stuff Uh, and generally at the end of the year not this year but for the last five years i was always doing a show out in la and um of course this year there's no there's nothing this year there's no show in la there's no star wars film (laughs) so actually this year i'll have a really chilled out christmas time but um yeah it's always that's always been a really busy period of the year for me so it kind of would just be I, i actually would have a schedule pretty much set out where it would be, this is the day this is finished. And the next day I move on to the next one. And you just got to do that really. Um, I don't always put in a little bit of extra time. So it would be like, I'm finishing it on this day, but maybe it's been submitted in three days time. So it it gives you that little buffer to look at it the next day and say, what the hell was I thinking? That looks awful, you know, like it might, and generally, especially because I'll be working on stuff like that, this happens probably more in the winter. Because the light goes at around four o'clock, you know, and then it gets dark and the studio's sort of lit. And it's you're looking at the screen and it's like burning your retinas out. Um, and then the next day you'll come in and sort of go, what, the, what are these colours? They're awful. <laughs> like in the, yeah. in the daylight, they really look wrong and you have to adjust stuff. So I always... I, I this is a really good tip for anyone working with clients. Don't submit your artwork at the end of the day. Submit your artwork the next day in the morning. Because yeah. it gives it gives you that little buffer to look at it and go, I should have I should change this. This doesn't look quite right, you know. Um yeah. So that's I don't know. It's done when it's done basically. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a tough it's it's always tough, always really tough.
0: And a question I've asked everyone, it doesn't matter if it's an actor, director, producer, it doesn't matter who it is. Every guest that's come on the podcast, I like to end by asking their advice. So anyone that's listening right now that wants to become an artist like yourself, who's influenced by yourself, who loves your work and thinks, I wish I could be like Dan. I wish I could be an artist. I wish I could have my designs in cinemas. What advice do you give them to try and make a name for themselves in a world right now where it's absolutely full of designers. It's everyone's yeah. doing art, everyone's got Instagram, everyone's putting up their work, but how is it that you can kind of be that next step ahead or you can get to those places that others struggle with?
1: Mm. Um, do you know what? I feel very bad for anyone trying to start out right, right now, actually, because yeah. I, think, I think when I... You know, I've been doing, I've been within the art industry for 13 years now. So that's quite a long time. And I have managed, you know, I, I had the lucky situation of being around when these social media trends began, if you will. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've been able to build up a following slowly but steadily.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: it's, it's not been like from 1,000 to 100,000 in, in a year or so. Yeah. That's been like over the whole time. So, and social media, whatever anyone says, it's vital. It's vitally important yeah. for you to get your work out there right now. Um, I don't think you know. I, I think for for a long time there were people like, oh, I don't bother with Instagram. I don't bother with this, whatever. Like, if you're an artist, Instagram's like. In, I think it's important because yeah. that's where I see a lot of new artwork. That's where I know a lot of art directors see a lot of artwork. Like, that's the thing. Don't think about it too much. As like something, you know, if you want to get your artwork out there, then use something like Instagram as a tool to do that. You don't have to put your face on it. It doesn't have to be about you personally. It's about your artwork. And like, just remember that, like a lot of art directors, that is where they find stuff nowadays. Yeah. Um, Have a website, you know, um, have a Behance profile, um, use Twitter, uh, you know, all, all of this stuff does really help yeah and then the other thing i would say is like don't don't try and copy other artists too much like no. just do do stuff in a way that you find comfortable so if you're working on something and it doesn't feel natural to you then that's not the way you should work like there will be a natural path or there'll be a flow that works for you um and i think you know that kind of goes back to what i was saying where i was worrying about my style not being like certain other people's stuff yeah. and you know what it you know when I was trying other stuff out it didn't work for me it didn't feel correct um so just work in a way that is comfortable for you that's that's the best thing I can say
0: and that way you became Dan where you didn't want to yeah. be Dan who's yeah. trying to be like so-and-so you became your own person exactly. and that's benefit yeah. in the fact that I'm not just saying this because you're sat here now. I know your artwork. I know it when I see sure, it. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's Dan. Some artists out there, I'm like, oh, I think that might be so-and-so. And I look, oh, it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, I can see why I've bought that. But isn't that yeah, so yeah. important and such a, um, I think to, I don't think there's a bigger compliment than someone saying, I know your work. I can identify it's you. Yeah, for seeing sure. Seeing the design. Yeah. I think that's the ultimate compliment.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, and i'm i i'm i don't mean what i'm about to say in a bad way against uh, some artists but there's there's a few artists that have sort of definitely tried to work in a similar style to me and that's firstly it's really cool that my artworks influenced them yeah like i can i can only be happy about that that's awesome like i think it's great that i've reached people to an extent like that but it's kind of backfired in that I get tagged in this artwork and they'll be like, this is a great piece from Dan. And I didn't do it. Like, so, nope, you know, I, yeah. So, you know, yeah. So I like, there are, there's quite, this is quite often, like, you know, a good few times a year, I'll be getting credit for someone else's artwork when it wasn't me. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's backfiring against them a bit. And in that situation, it's like, yeah, you need to put your own voice in this a bit more because, um, it's not recog- It's not like visualizing as you, as a, as an artist. Um, and but you know, again, like I'm not. That's not. I'm not saying that as a bad thing against them. No. Because, of not. You know, it, it's great that they are doing stuff and creating artwork. Like again, I, you know, I'm always just happy that people are creating artwork, regardless of where they get their influence. But yeah, the more, uh- the more you can do for yourself, the better. Definitely.
0: And my final question is, what's left for you on a personal level? So, if I had said to you fifteen years ago, you'll be doing twelve posters for the Star Wars films, and you can go to a mm. cinema and it'll be this, and you'll be doing pill jam, you probably would have gone, "Fuck off, that's never going to happen," you know. That's, <laughs> that's <left laughs> yeah, for you. um Ahead of you now, you obviously said that you were doing music, and you're doing artwork for bands, and you're doing covers. Then you explored into doing movies, which has opened so many new. Doors for you. What's next for you? What is the kind of things that you'd love to achieve that before you could retire you could say, I'm really glad I got to do that, you know?
1: Um that is the big question that I don't even know the answer to. Because realistically, right now, um, I'm at a point where working on more movie posters, it's not like it's not like I go yeah yeah i can't wait to do a poster for that new whatever film you know like it's always fun because i love movies and i'll always want to do it but i've done quite a lot of it now of course so so i do need like a new big challenge if you will um and i think it is realistically doing my own stuff doing something that is not related to anything something that's not restricted by sizes or like time anything like that you know i'd love to just create gigantic pieces that are the size of a wall yeah um, and just do some sort of weird gallery show and things like that um and it just it purely comes down to money and time really and that was what i wanted to do this year but then the world went mental. The world the world broke. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and now it's like, you know, and a lot of that stuff just have to go on the back burner. Um but I think I have to do that because otherwise I'll just I'll lose the I'll lose the passion, you know. Yeah. And right now I'm pa- I'm passionate about everything I do right now and I I love doing movie posters and gig posters and you know, I want to keep doing them, but I need them I need it to be like 60% of what I'm doing and not 100% I think yeah um because I'll just burn out otherwise of like, course. I'll just I'll, you know you, you need I'll run out of ideas as well <laughs> so you know just need a need to do something slightly different I think coming up yeah
0: perfect well Dan it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you um I've really enjoyed this and it's like I, I sometimes forget I'm doing the interview and I'm listening away and I'm like oh god I need to ask a question because you know I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm loving your answers and. Uh, It really has been an absolute pleasure to have your time and um, I I can't wait to see more of your work and when the world goes back to normal, where you're going to go.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's been really nice talking to you.
0: So there it is. There's my interview with me and the absolutely awesome Dan Mumford. What a great guy, such a talent and from start to finish I absolutely love this interview. I feel I could have talked to him for absolutely hours and hopefully we'll do a second or third part because I really do believe we could have talked and talked just about art and movies for easily another three or four episodes worth of material. It's been incredible to go on this new journey with Mark and me, even after three or four years, to now start exploring new avenues and talking to all these new artists. It adds a whole new dynamic to the podcast and I'm absolutely loving the guests that I've been getting on. If at this point you haven't jumped on Instagram and gone and checked out Dan's work, what the hell are you playing at? Jump on and follow Dan Mumford Draws. You will not regret it. He's almost got like 100,000 followers. All his prints are up there. You can go on the store and even purchase one. You won't regret it and it's money well spent. I will be running a competition very soon for one of his pieces of work. Go on Mark and me and honestly check out my Facebook, Instagram or Twitter and the details will be up there very soon. But you'll be able to have an opportunity to win a signed print. That's what I do for you guys. See, you tune in, you listen to the podcast and now you get the opportunity to win an absolutely awesome prize. A massive thanks again for Dan for coming on the podcast and a massive thank you for you guys at home for listening. If you really want to support the podcast like I said go on markandme.com share the episode it costs nothing to hit that retweet button or the Facebook button to share and tell people about the episode it's incredible and a massive massive impact you can have from just telling people about a podcast or sharing it people see it on their feed and it makes a massive difference. Also, if you really want to support the podcast on another level, I have a Patreon page. It costs as little as a pound a month to support me. And at the moment, you're getting four or five episodes per month, which is insane. And it's only going to get busier. I really appreciate everyone that's tuned in today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll be back in only a few days time with a brand new episode. Take care, everyone, and speak soon.